Welcome to the Assemblée Dance Studio podcast, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in growing and running your dance studio. I'm your host, Claire O'Shea, and I'm a dance studio owner and business coach, helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business, and become the go-to dance studio in your area. Want to join my signature studio growth webinar? Sign up for my free webinar, The Complete Roadmap to Dance Studio Growth at assemblédancestudiocoaching.com forward slash roadmap. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes released weekly. Hi guys, it's Claire O'Shea here and welcome back to another episode of the Assemble Dance Studio Coaching Podcast. In today's episode, I'm so excited to be bringing you an interview with the wonderful Jen Dalton from Dance Teacher Central. So a little bit of a behind the scenes info, Jen and I have been friends for years now. We met at a conference sort of workshop thingamajigo years ago and we became really, really good friends. And generally week to week we are meeting on zoom to talk about our businesses and to catch up and to talk all things dance studio life so this is a recorded episode that we tried to do on instagram and this was before the new instagram feature had updated and so the audio I will let you know is not a hundred percent perfect but it's still good and this episode is jam-packed with amazing info all about when to know when you're hiring a studio manager all about the interview process for hiring the after the interview process for hiring and then talking about ongoing management for teachers and studio managers as well as recommendations so this is all about Again, finding a studio manager, how to find them, how to manage them, when to know it's the right time to get a studio manager into your business. I notice a lot of people have been talking about this lately, so I wanted to share this with you. This, again, originally was an IGTV or an uh, an Instagram live that we did, uh, but I've converted it into a podcast episode for you to listen to. So if you don't know Jen, here's a little bit about her. So having successfully run and owned multiple dance studios for over 20 years with over a thousand students, managing teams of over 30 teachers and staff members at one time, Jen does know the importance of strategy, planning and continual learning. Jen's life philosophy is centered on empowering and educating teachers to be the best and most effective leaders that they can be, giving them the tools to make a positive impact in each and every life they come into contact with. As well as teaching and running the studios, Jen has studied as a police officer for 13 years, working in the child protection and sex crime squad, studying psychology and communications at CSU, a health and fitness certificate, as well as a dance teaching and management certificate. So it was only natural that the next step was to collate that information into the dance industry language and make it easy, quick and available for dancers and teachers across the world. It's Jen's intention to create a worldwide community of like minor dance educators who together will support, encourage and lead with intention to give everything we have to our students. So if you are super excited to connect with Jen, you can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Dance Teacher Central. Jen has amazing resources out there for dance studio owners, for their teachers, as well as for dance teachers. And I hope you find this interview super informative and really interesting. There you are. Oh, hi. Hi. 
Hi. Have you muted me again on your on your laptop? Yep. Yep. Okay. All cool. muted. I just thought it was so funny because I was just like going, oh no, and then you were like on my computer going, I can't. <laughs> anyway, it's just connecting. You're. Just, I think it'll just get, it'll work out its connection in a minute. But anyway, um, welcome, Jen. Thank you for joining me live today. We're gonna be saving this video and sharing it after the fact. But mm -hmm. I'm so excited to have you. So if, um, say someone watching this doesn't know who you are, or pretend, I'll introduce myself as well because we're going to share this on your channel also. But yep. um, if someone doesn't know you or who you, who you are and what you do, can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So my name is Jen Dalton. And so I, I live dual lives at the moment. I have, I'm a studio owner, uh, first and foremost, and have been for 27 plus years. Um, I am still doing that. I still love that and have an amazing team. However, several years ago, I started moving from teaching the students how to dance to teaching my my teachers and really training them to be the best leaders they can be and so i've just had a bit of a shift over the last couple of years hence is where i started dance teacher central so now my focus is well not only te teaching and training my own teachers but uh teachers studio owners around the world um uh, yeah training programs and courses and videos so that's what i do now Amazing. And I, if for anyone who doesn't know me, if you're watching this on Jen's channel, um, my name is Claire O'Shea and I also am a dance studio owner. I have a dance studio that I'm probably still more involved in than um, on the day-to-day -day stuff than Jen is. She's a little bit past that point. Um, I, I still teach in the classroom because I love it. And I still also have a team of amazing teachers uh, and students on the Sunshine Coast, which is very exciting. But yeah, same, a couple of years ago, I started getting a lot of questions from uh, friends and people that I haven't met about how I run my studio, how I maintain the culture, uh, how I systemize and all things like that. So I sort of organically started to do some coaching on the side and now I am pivoting into doing that a little bit more seriously and I've just been doing a rebrand into Assemblé Dance Studio Coaching which is very exciting and so yeah Jen and I have been friends for years now and so I feel like we complete each other because Jen <laughs> does a lot of like teacher training and team management and all of that side which I have some experience in, of course, but that would be Jen's specialty. And then I focus more on uh, the technology behind the studio, the business management and like uh, social media and stuff like that as well, which um, Jen also knows Jen a lot about, but doesn't about, focus on. Oh, mm -hmm. Not quite. <laughs> Not your expertise, that's for sure. No, that's okay. And it's, yes, we just, we talk to each other like many times a week. And so I asked Jen, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? I'm trying to get some new content together um, for my podcast and for my socials. And I thought it'd be great to uh, get Jen on to ask her a couple of questions about teacher training and managing your team. And I've actually, I had a client uh, asking me some about this the other day and Jen uh, very kindly was assisting with me with some queries. And now I've had just coincidentally had lots of people asking me the same questions. So I thought it would be best to jump on and record and get that all out in the world and so at the moment we are recording on two devices I've got 
my Instagram story here. And then I've got Jen on Zoom over here with this. You're actually set up on my bin, Jen, which is oh, very classy. <laughs> but anyway, that's okay. That's how it is. So awesome. We know a little bit about each other. So I've got a couple of questions, um, some things that have been asked by clients or just people that I know on social media. Um, so I guess my first question for you would be, is there or when is the right time to hire a studio manager? Yeah, look, this is a question that I know a lot of people that have been studio owners for a while, they ponder this because I think we get to a point where we've become so busy and we're torn with so many different areas that it becomes a real issue. Like, what are we going to do? It's, it's going to be different for everyone. Uh, but I think what we need to really do, you have to first and foremost be in a financial position where you can pay out to someone else. Now, it doesn't have to be a huge amount to start with, but you have to be at a point where you can, you know, very comfortably hand over, you know, some, some of your earnings to someone else. <clears throat> now, from the past, I, I know that at that time when you're ready to commit, generally you will end up earning more money because you have been able to delegate. And so you can, you're doubling your output. However, at the beginning, it's really tough. So you have to be comfortable within yourself and know that your business can financially survive putting someone else new on. So that would be probably the first point. I'd also suggest that you as a studio owner, have done the time where you've done all the roles and so you know exactly what it is you you're looking for when you, you do move on to putting someone else into a role but you have to have done it yourself so i would say if you if you're first starting out to not put on a studio manager straight away just because i don't think you could utilize them as well so do your own do the time yourself and then once you're at a time where you have no more time in your week then that's a really good time to look at putting someone else on. I think what you touched on a couple of things that I think was so important and something to really focus on is that one, you need to be financially prepared and able to pay that person's wage and not all studio managers are necessarily full time, but if you're bringing someone on who you expect to manage the studio it is almost a full-time position pretty much straight away unless your studio only runs like two days a week or three days a week or something. Mm. Um, and the other thing, like you said, is that, you know, you really yourself need to have the experience on running all the different areas of your business to know and, and be able to kind of determine whether the, your studio manager is meeting whatever expectations that you currently have. So it's hard to know what to expect and what is, you know, up to scratch or what's underperforming if you yourself have not done the task and know, uh, you know, how long it takes to do. That's something that you could possibly, you know, it would potentially create more issues if you, you're not having that experience beforehand yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's, it shouldn't be a rush decision. And I, when I think back of all the big decisions that I've made with the business, you know, from the very first time I started a new location, the very first time I put someone new on, um, there really was, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, <clears throat> there really, um, it does take about 12 months to really get to a point where you feel comfortable and you're ready and just another 12 months for the next big thing and another 12 months. So there's no rushing the process. Mm. 
I, I do find as well though, and I'm not sure if, if you felt this, but like in either in yourself or just from experience with working with clients that often we get to a point where we're so desperate to hire someone that we just, we need like some immediate relief and we expect it to be almost instantaneous, but uh, it's not going to be. So it's always better to hire you know, just before you're hitting that like breaking point, because obviously it, as soon as you hire someone, there's going to be some benefit to it, but you don't want to be so desperate that you just don't know what you'll do with, unless you find someone. So have, yeah. have, you, have you felt that before or have you know anyone who felt that? Absolutely. And you know, when you do take on, when you do take on someone and I know exactly what you're saying because we, we are wearing so many hats that most studio owners are doing everything in their business. And so you get to that point where you can't take it anymore. You know, you've got to take someone on, but really when, when you first employ them, you need to look at having about 12 months of training them. So if you think of it as a, a the dance year cycle, so whatever that is for you, you need to train them through each of those, those points. So it'll be from, you know, from registration day and then you'll teach them the process of that and then they're emailing how you're going to set that up for your year. But then when it comes to a concert or a recital, you then have to train them through each of those steps because, you know, it, that's a different lot of things we have to do each year and at different times. And then when it comes to the costuming, how you manage that. So you, you can sit down in one or two sessions and say, this is how it all works and this is what you do but you can't really just say on your bike and you know, and off they go. It really does take, yeah, <laughs> it really takes a good 12 months and you have to be there for support and questions and anything that comes up because it's actually in your best interest to put the time in at the beginning for those 12 months, even though you're absolutely at your wit's end and you're exhausted, it's worth it because then you can slowly release after that. And I would say as well with that in mind, if if you had the foreseeable, like knowing that you're thinking about bringing someone on in that capacity in 12 months, that's when I say you really need to start systemizing your business, taking notes, writing down procedures so that when you bring on someone to take over your role, obviously you're going over it with them, but then you already have that information as a backup as well. And for that person to look onto or look back to when they're needing more support. Yeah. And that when you look at, you know, and a lot of the studio owners that I work with, they're like, I don't, I don't know what to give them. I don't know, you know, what description do I put in the, in the job ad or, but what I suggest to them is you have a pen and paper every day with you, write down exactly what you do every day. And, you know, ideally that would be fantastic over 12 months. And it's similar to what you're saying with all your procedures that you do, but just keep track of it. So what is it that's then taking up most of your time? What is it that you can actually hand over? And you've got to be okay with handing stuff over and, and being okay that it's not going to be done, you know, exactly maybe how you would have done it yourself. So that's another, you know, with our control issues that a lot of us have as studio owners, it is something else we have to work through. But, um, yeah, just list it. So list what it is you do. And then once you have a list, so it can range from, you know, social media through to phone calls, you know, through to ordering uniform or costumes, make a list of stuff. And then once you've got 
that list, comprehensive list, you can then start saying, okay, well, I could manage that every Friday. I can stay on top of that. I can't, I don't want to talk to um, our customers anymore. So, you know, they can have the phone. They, you know, the inquiries that come through, no, that can be handled by them. So you can sort of keep control of it that way. Um, and it just gives you a clear idea too, because it, again, it's going to be different for each of us because mm. some of us love some parts, some of us don't love some other parts, some of us are good at some parts and not so good at other parts. So that's probably the best way to do it. And again, it's not going to be a quick process if you want to do it thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, and you touched on it briefly, but... I guess this moves us on to my next question I had for you is that when you are hiring and you're looking to write a job description or an outline, or you're starting the process essentially of hiring a studio manager, do you have any tips to include or what to include on a position description? Like what are some things that you think like need to be on an ad or a post or, you know, whatever type of way that you're hiring a new job to make sure that, you're trying to find the best candidate for your business. Yeah, I think it really comes down to being really clear on your values and the the type of values that your studio has because whoever you get in, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a receptionist, whether it's a studio manager, they have to align and resonate with your values. And so when you're putting together copy, whether it's social media, whether it's for an ad, I think we need to have it in a language that represents our studio. So it's, if you copied, you know, a business description, it's not going to resonate with the right type of person. So I think it really comes down to the language and being aware of what your studio represents and then who it is you're speaking to. So you need to be clear on who, who your target audience is. Um, you know, for me, we're predominantly recreational and we're about building the whole child. And so we're appealing to a, a type of family, the mums and dads with the kids who just want to come to dance for fun and they just want to meet up with their friends and, you know, feel super important and special. And then we teach them dance on the side. But then there's others who, uh, you know, want to do the competitions and the exam work and take their dancing to the next level. So the, the language that I would use is different to uh, the studio who would be offering other things. So I think it really comes down to language. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, and I, I don't even think you can get a, a full grasp of someone and whether or not they are right for you until you meet in person and you actually have a conversation with them because you'll see then how they respond. You'll see their body language. You'll see if they're um, initiating questions or they're developing on things that you've said or there's just one, one word answers or they're you know, not even engaged with you. If they're not engaged with you in an interview scenario, then you know, they're not going to be engaged in the classroom. So I think it really comes down to using the language that is going to represent your studio to get the right person in. And then it comes down to um, having that meeting with them and then judging it from there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And like you said, it's just, it's, it's hard to know. And sometimes it feels like it could be easier just to um, like, you know, in not like copy as in like steal, but just use like a template that someone's already created but for such a vital position in your business, it really needs to come from you and it needs to be 
a really clear representation of the type of studio that you run. Like you want to find someone that aligns with those values and yeah. can obviously elevate whatever position that they're taking on, but they do still need to slot in. They can't be like so different that it just, it's not the right fit. So, and I think, like you said, that in-person uh, meeting is so important. Do you think, you know, with the times that we're in at the moment, um, with COVID and people being isolated and things like that, would, would you still get that same interview style over something like a zoom meeting? Or do you think it's possible you need to try and wait to get that in-person position? Uh, so interview for a position this important. Look, I think oh, it's so tricky at the moment. If you're at a point where you are interviewing to hire right now, then that's really good for you. Like if you're feeling at a point where your business is ready to take on um, someone new, that's great. And, yeah, I think it's a really good um, alternative for now. I don't think it will be as good as in person, but you'll still get a feel for how they turn up. And I'm, I talk about things like how they're dressed, their timing, did they check in, you know, the day before just confirming that, you know, we've got our interview at 10 o'clock tomorrow, you know, just all these little key things that you can still, you can still assess over a Zoom call and absolutely at the moment that's the way to go. So, yeah, if, you, if that's the only option, 100% yeah. I'd be doing that. And you can still, I guess, see how they present themselves and if they turn up on time, you can still see yeah. those things in a Zoom call, which is really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that moves us on to my next question for you, which was, is there specific questions that you think need to be asked in every interview or is there things that you, you know, is there alarm bells or tips you have for that interview process? Yeah, this is, it's so funny because a lot of studio owners ask this question, you know, I'm hiring, what do I ask? And you can Google those questions because it's like, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I like to run, so I have a general structure, but I actually like to see how the conversation rolls. Um, I will always ask about what they believe their strengths and their weaknesses are. So I'm really interested to see how, how someone can articulate that. Um, I also will ask them what age group they prefer working with. So, you know, some people are, I, could, I can't, you know, do the preschoolers or I only love working with the preschoolers, you know. So it's really interesting as a guide. But when I ask questions, I'm not only listening to their response, but I'm listening to see if they're willing to try or, you know, I've, I've only ever taught teenagers, but I'd really like to learn how to work with preschoolers. So I, when I ask questions like that, I'm actually listening to their response as opposed to just their definitive answer, if that makes mm. sense. I don't and know if that I think sense. potentially just to clarify as well for Jen, your studio manager position includes teaching and managing the studio. That's the type of person that you're trying to hire. So Jen likes to find someone who's able to take classes and also sub when needed, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's going to be one of my tips if you can. Um, and if you need to, if you can find someone who can cross over the role, that will benefit you so much further in the long run. And it could be as simple as a cover at a at the last minute. You know, if you, 
have a teacher call in sick and there's no one, even if they're not actively teaching at the moment, if they're qualified and they've done it in the past, they can jump in and take, mm. the, take the class. Or if, you know, someone gets sick, say you haven't given them the phone or, you know, something happens like this week, my daughter had uh, an operation on her knee. So I've just wanted to spend the time with her. She's fine. She's going great. But, you know, but in that situation, if I had the phone, I wouldn't want to be distracted with that. So, you know, you could essentially give someone the phone. So yeah, if you can, if you can get someone that can cross roles, it's only going to benefit you. It doesn't matter if it, if it doesn't, but if you can, it's only, it's going to be better. I just wanted to clarify that because I know that's what you do and I know it worked really well for you, but I also have worked um, with clients who have, have kind of looked at their strengths and weaknesses as a business owner and been like, you know, my, my strength is not in the finances side or in the marketing. And so they're trying to find um, a manager that has, you know, acumen in that area, which I think is great. But again, it's the main thing of our business is the, the teaching. So I do think it's, it would be really good to at least have some experience and the ability to kind of cross over when needed, um, like you said. And it, obviously it differs for every studio, but it's it can only be beneficial, I would imagine. Yeah, well, that's it. And, I mean, I, I'm super blessed with my studio manager because she is, yeah, she does that she does all the computer stuff that I'm not comfortable doing and or confident doing. She's very good on the phones and she's excellent. She's an excellent dance teacher. So I won the lottery with mine. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but I also, you know, I'd also been through quite a few and I'd experienced um, people, you know, working with other people and worked out what didn't work and what did work. So by the time I found her, I also was quite clear with what I needed in a studio manager and what I wanted in a studio manager. And then it's just an extra bonus that we actually, we, we get on so well and we're able to work really well as a team. Yeah. Amazing. And that takes me to my next question. I've only got maybe two more is <laughs> after the interview process and like when you start working with them how do you know that you found the right person or how do you know whether the issues that you're experiencing are just teething issues or whether this actually just wasn't the right person is there any way to kind of get a i know like for me it's really like gut feeling is really important but then also is there things that um are flags or things that you you know to be like clear indications um i am the same like gut feeling now i I don't know. I think I've been doing it for so long. I can almost tell with the way they carry themselves when they walk into a room, whether or not we're going to work. And mm -hmm. so, and that's probably come with years again of experience and um, errors and le hard learnings. Uh, definitely gut feeling a hundred percent has to be the first and foremost for most people. And I really encourage you to listen to that. And like we were saying earlier, when you're so desperate to hire because, you know, you're exhausted and you're busy and you're trying to, you know, do other things and you need, you really desperately need help. If you, if you take on the first person that seems to just, oh, they're okay, they'll do. 
ultimately it's only going to be a couple of months, six months, 12 months, and you're going to have to replace them anyway. And that ride is going to be hard and it's going to actually be harder for you emotionally. So holding off, um, finding the right person. And if you can listen to, if it doesn't feel right, it's generally not going to be right. Um, that's, I would definitely say that, uh, with that. And then you also know, like I said before as well, you're going to be working at least 12 months with them to really train them up properly and you'll get a feel. Are they asking questions? Are they checking in regularly? Uh, are they asking too many questions? You know, are they trying to, that, that, that's been another thing in the past where, you know, they're almost, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or they're trying to, you know, get out of doing some of the work, but that was a bit of an indication at times like, no, no, just your job is to go and sort that out. So I've given you the task, you go and sort it out. So little things like that are probably are the biggest alarm bells, but listening to that instinct is that, that will be the truth every time. Uh, and I have another question for you, two more to go. Uh, do you have any tips for studio owners for ongoing management of uh, teachers or I guess a studio manager specifically, is there, you know, a couple of like one or two things that you like recommend always? Your communication has to be excellent and has to be on point all the time. So when it comes to my studio manager, so we will check in once a week, um, if not once a fortnight, now that we're in, a bit of, we're in so much of a role, just like, this is where I'm up to, this is what I'm doing, is there anything you need specifically in the next seven days? We do a really quick check-in so it's not fast, um, it's not dragged out or takes time, but we're on the same page and we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I have, she's actually, for me, the first port of call for all my teachers. So mm -hmm. if they have an issue, they go to her. So again, that is the communication. So they're not, so back in the old days, they would call me, oh, I'm sick today. I, you know, I can't do this or this had this issue in the classroom. Well, now they go to her. And so it's her job to actually sort that out. Then if, if it's not right or she'll come to me and let me know if, if I need to be involved and things like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but it really comes down to communication. Regular training, I think is really good. Um, and that's, of course, where my passion lies with the training of the teachers and the trainings that, you know, I feel is, is lacking in a lot of studios. And I don't think it's from neglect. I think it's just people aren't sure how to do it or how to start and then what to do, um, which is, you know, this is why I do what I do. Um, but I think those are really good because it also keeps them accountable. And I don't know about you, but for me, well, you're actually part of my accountability team anyway, you know, you keep me accountable, but you know, they need to be kept accountable with things as well. And it just works. Yeah. I would say that's like you said, communication and accountability. That is one of the, and like, I don't get it right all the time. And I'm sure like there's still times mm. when you and everyone else goes like, like whoopsie, but <laughs> it is still so that accountability and the checking in with your teachers feeling supported, they're often more likely to want to go above and beyond, which is, you know, something that is really required in a job that is so um, customer service based. So that is, um, I would say, the best tip and thank you for sharing. And my last question for you would be, 
if you had one piece of advice only, so if there was one tip or like thing that you think that teachers should enact, uh, student owners should enact straight away to improve their team or just if there's one piece of advice that you could give, what would it be? One, I can't do it in one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I have to, I have to go back to where my heart is and it really comes down to training because when you're all on the same page, then we're all heading in the same direction. And then you're a team that, you know, even you are going to make mistakes along the way, but when you're together, you can cope and you can keep moving forward. So as a studio owner, just, just get a solid, get a plan. And as I said, it doesn't have to be hard or complicated, but just have a plan because there's security in that. Your teachers will feel secure. Your students will feel secure. Your families will feel secure. So, and then, of course, with that comes the communication side of it. So I go back to my training and communication, but, yeah, that's, that's it for me. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. That was very, very informative and insightful. And I hope that uh, this was helpful for anyone watching. I'm going to share it I'm gonna, with your lovely social media people later as well. Um, and I'm going to be sharing this straight with a couple of my clients who've been having questions about this and I think it'll be really helpful. Um, but again, if somebody watching this doesn't know who you are and they want to connect with you, they want to find out more information about training their teachers or, you know, how to do that and the whole process around that, how can they find you? Where's the best place to go? Yeah, well, I'm on Instagram, which is just Dance Teacher Central, and on Facebook as well. We have a private Facebook group, which, you know, I just jump in um, once or twice a week and, you know, have a chat with everyone. It's continual trainings and stuff. So that's Dance Teacher Training on Facebook. Uh, That's open to all studio owners and teachers as well. Um, Yeah, and then my website, which is danceteachercentral.com. And so you can check out what's going on there. Amazing. And if I could make a recommendation, it would be to also jump on Jen's mailing list because she sends out great like tips and tricks, lovely insightful emails. And if you're on her list, you get quite a few like VIP replays and masterclasses and things like that, which are always so, so So that would be my tip. Thank you so much, Jen. I think we'll end this live video and I'll go back to talking to you on Zoom. (laughs) Beautiful. That's so good. Thanks so much for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Assemble Dance Studio Coaching Podcast with your host, me, Claire O'Shea. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it on your stories on Instagram and tag the show or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Assemble Dance Studio Coaching. Tune in next week for another episode all about helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business and become the go-to dance studio in your area. See you then.